Welcome to Creating a Family. Talk about infertility. Hey guys, do us a favor. Let your friends know about this podcast. Most people find out about specific podcasts by talking to their friends. I know that's the case for me because I had just recently found two new podcasts by talking with friends. So you could do us a huge favor and do your friends a huge favor. If they have any interest in the area of infertility or fertility in general, please recommend the Creating a Family podcast. And thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about Chinese medicine and infertility and intimacy with Denise Wiesner. She is a traditional Chinese medicine specialist, a founder of the Natural Healing and Acupuncture Clinic, and a professor in the doctoral program in Chinese Medicine, Fertility, and Women's Health at Yosan University in Los Angeles. She is the author of a book, Conceiving with Love, A Whole Body Approach to Creating Intimacy, Reigniting Passion, and Increasing Fertility. Welcome, Denise, to uh, Creating a Family. Really happy to be here. So how does Eastern, the Eastern medicine approach to infertility, or really fertility, how does that differ from the approach by Western medicine? When Western medicine looks at reproduction, they're looking a lot about the function of the hypothalamus and pituitary in the brain and how it's connecting to the ovaries and the uterus. So it's very specific and it's trying to regulate hormones and it looks at different conditions. Chinese medicine looks at the whole body as a functioning unit. So we look at things like how is the digestion happening? How is the sleep? How are you... um, um, are you exercising? What are you eating? Uh, all like you know, how's your skin? What color is your skin? We look at details of a person's whole life, and also also their emotional life as well. We incorporate that too, and we look at the whole person. So Chinese medicine is a system, you know, three thousand years old, that incorporates all these into a treatment plan. Well, well, I can definitely understand how sleep and I can understand even how emotions can impact. But how do things like digestion or um, or, or the color of your school of your of your skin or or things like that? Or how does that impact or tell what what type of information does that give you that would be useful for helping someone who is not able to conceive? In terms of digestive functioning, you know, um, if, if there could be a lot of inflammation in the body and we can see that in digestion. For example, somebody could have like gas and bloating and they're not processing their food. And if you're not processing your food, you are not getting all the vitamins and nutrients that your body needs, right? And you're also increasing the amount of inflammation. And if we really look at the reproductive organs, they're very close to the intestines. <laughs> it's all one <laughs> unit. <laughs> so, you know, having a healthy digestion will be part of how we how we utilize food, how we utilize energy. And it, it translates to the cellular level. So for example, you know, you have follicles that contain your eggs, right? And all the there's a follicular fluid that that bathes these eggs. And what we take into our body, how we nourish our body, actually nourishes your eggs. That's why digestion is so important. Okay. So if I'm infertile and I come to a Chinese medicine doctor for treatment, what type of information is going to be important for you? Do I need to collect information beforehand? But what type of questions would you ask somebody to help you get a feeling of their their whole body, their whole life that would be important to you? Um, one of the things that I really like to do with my, peop- my, my women that are coming to me for fertility is I like to do a very detailed look into their menstrual cycle. 
So where Western doctors really don't look at the menstrual cycle, a menstrual cycle, like the color of the blood, if there's clots, if you get your period every 28 days, or is it like, you know, 40 days, that will give a significant amount of information to me about your overall health and the health of your fertility. So that's something different. And also, you know, cervical fluid as well. Like, do you have really good egg white, cervical fluid, uh, fertile mucus, uh, at, you know, day 12 to 14? Or are you, do you, have you, do you have a lot of vaginal dryness? You know, I would look into those questions. Uh, and I also would look into, again, your sleep, digestion, what you're eating. Um, and we, we, you mentioned about the skin, but you know, a lot of women have like a lot of acne, you know, and that can be hormonal imbalance, especially in the chin area. So, you know, um, it, it could lead to this diagnosis, what I might say, like damp heat in a woman, which is, you know, sort of like too much heat, too much, maybe too much sugar intake, maybe too much dairy, maybe too much inflammation. And that comes out on the skin. So skin is wonderful to look at for looking at a, a health of, of a body. So I look at all those kinds of things. How does um, Chinese medicine view what we call polycystic, in the Western medicine is called polycystic ovarian syndrome? Chinese medicine looks at PCOS um, and looks, tries to break it down to different kinds of patterns. So what we do in Chinese medicine is we, we have all these symptoms into a pattern. And there's different patterns with PCOS. And you can see this on a, a patient. Like I happen to have all these PCOS patients that are skinny and have no facial hair um, and really don't have symptoms that we classically think of as PCOS. Like we think of PCOS as overweight, and, you know, maybe obese and, and hair that's not, you know, on the face and, and, and these women have nothing, but yet they have a lot of cysts on their ovaries and they have maybe high androgen levels, you know, like testosterone is an androgen level. Mm -hmm. And so Chinese medicine would, would look at like, you know, does the patient run cold or hot? That would be a great, that's a great asking. You know, someone who could be, we say, yang deficient or doesn't have enough heat in their body. There's like not enough fire. And so these, this idea of like, there's not enough fire, it's very simple, but um, to allow these, these ovaries to ovulate. So these, these follicles just sit there and, and they like, they, we, we call there's like an element of dampness. They just sort of sit there and they're like these cysts that, that, that shouldn't be there. So we might like use herbs and acupuncture to kind of create more fire in a woman. And that will allow her to ovulate more, if that makes any sense at all. Um, versus a, maybe we say a yin deficient type, a different kind of type. That might be your person who isn't overweight, who's thin. And we would do different types of herbs and treatment on that type of PCOS. So we really look at the individual, not just the condition and see what's out of balance and what we need to do with herbs and acupuncture and diet to help this woman. So uh, sometimes uh, that is, a, that is uh, PCOS can contribute to infertility, but another contribution, and it can happen at women at any age, but it tends to happen with older women, and that is, goes by various names, but diminished ovarian reserves, premature uh, menopause, insufficient ovarian reserves, all of those are, are terms that are used. So, um, and as one of our um, support group members says, let's just call it what it is, old eggs. Oh. And so, the, the uh, so how does uh, Chinese medicine deal with diminished ovarian reserve, which can accompany age, but it can also happen with much younger women? Oh yeah, I'm starting to see diminished ovarian reserve in women that are in their 30s and 20s. It's really quite a. So how? Well, first of all, you know. 
one of the things when we look at diminished ovarian reserve is how much you have left, but we're not really looking at the quality, right? So this idea that we don't have enough, people get into panic and fear around that. And then that just creates more like less blood flow to the reproductive organs and more to the adrenal glands to deal with the fear response of, oh no, I have diminished ovarian reserve. Yeah. It's a terrifying diagnosis. It really is. It's terrifying for women. It's like, oh my God, my time's running out. Hurry, hurry. And then women start getting on this train of, I must do something now, but their body really isn't nourished. So I tend to really, my personal, you know, beliefs in Chinese medicine is really get a woman to really nourish her body, really take the time to do, you know, work on stress, work on energy, work on nutrition, really get her mind, body, spirit in a good place. Because, you know, it only just, ta- it, it really takes one good egg. <laughs> it doesn't take a baker's dozen, right? You know, it's, it's, it's about nourishing, getting that good follicle that contains the egg. And the fear response definitely is not helpful. So Chinese medicine uses things like electrostimulation to the ovary, which is electroacupuncture. It's a little electrodes on needles that basically stimulate the ovaries, which stimulates blood flow to the reproductive uh, organs, right? We want blood flow down there. We don't want the blood flow to be at the adrenal glands doing the, I'm running from a bear. Oh no, I'm in fear mode. So Chinese medicine helps to restore that. So how do you get the uh, electricity to the ovaries? It's a little battery operated device called an electrostim machine. And they have little leads that you, you attach to the needles that pulses the needles and that electroacupuncture it's called. So it just gives a constant little low, low level stimulation, not painful. It's not like having a, you know, a hurt muscle. It's really just this, like if I was going to be for 20 to 30 minutes, gently manipulating your needle on your abdomen and, and, and your legs. So it's just this gentle way of, kind of promoting blood flow and nourishing the ovaries. That's one and, way. And, the, and so that, and what type of herbs, are there herbs as well that could be yeah. used? Yeah, I was just about to say like, yeah. definitely um, really great is, is herbal medicine. And Chinese herbal medicine is so unique in that what we do is we write specific herbal prescriptions that have like a lot of different kinds of herbs in them. You know, as opposed to like take this one herb that'll help you, you know, your diminished ovarian reserve. We diagnose the patient to see like what pattern this patient has. And then we write custom herbal formulas to, to deal with that pattern. And I, and I have to say, one of the things I treat a lot um, in my practice uh, with all my fertility patients is this, I kind of want to say anxiety and fear, you know, this, this like, you know, you know what I mean? Like that just people Mm -hmm. are really scared and, have a lot of anxiety around whether they're going to have a baby or not, especially if they've been diagnosed with, you know, ovarian reserve issues. And so, you know, using that, using herbs to help nourish and calm a woman and build her and like nourish her ovaries and her whole body is very useful in, in herbal medicine or for a woman. Yeah, I think anxiety and fear is almost universal. And, and one of the hardest diagnoses is, um, is unexplained infertility. It's terrifying because you don't have a cause. You don't have something that you can say, okay, I can, this is the reason why we are not getting pregnant. It's just an unknown reason, you know, and that, that makes it even harder. Yeah. I think that with an, and recurrent miscarriage are two really big ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, well, I would certainly agree with that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we don't know why you're miscarrying, you know? Uh, yes. Unexplained fertility. And, and, and I think it's important, you know, when I, I, I deal with couples. So it's not just the woman. I mean, I think we put so much like 
you know, energy on the woman to like get her yep. eggs. And like, you know, I, I think I wrote in, in a, in a Instagram post about like, I really think every man should be taking a men's prenatal regardless of what their sperm is like. I mean, who couldn't use more antioxidants in this world that we live in? So I feel like, yes, the men, the, the men need to be included in this couple of making a baby. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it does take two to tango. Yeah, and that, well, that brings up the, okay, let's let's talk about male fertility. Uh, it was going to come to it later, but this is a perfect segue. So is acupuncture effective uh, for male infertility? Now, I'm, I'm speaking about a male who's been diagnosed with a, a sperm analysis that would indicate that there is some type of morphology or motility or some type of, of issue. Um, so there is a diagnosis of male infertility. Is acupuncture can acupuncture be effective? Yes, it's actually incredibly effective. I've seen, I've worked with a lot of men, some having, you know, the, the doctor was saying, you know, your sperm are so bad, we're going to have to, you know, do a testy, we're going to have to take them out a, a testicular extraction. And the men are like, oh, no, I don't want that. But they, you know, came to me, and all of a sudden, their sperm improved with a combination of nutritionals, acupuncture, lifestyle, and herbal medicine. The combination of those can really, I've seen just amazing results with men, you know, and some, I've had men that have unexplained low sperm counts, like the doctors don't know why they have hardly any sperm, <laughs> like, no, it's not genetic, and I, uh, they, that, they, that they know of at the moment. So I, I'm starting to see a lot more male infertility than just female infertility. So what about if the male does, uh, the couple has, either the woman has a diagnosis of some form of female infertility, or they're unexplained, but they are not getting pregnant. Is Chinese medicine in general, and I'm glad you broke that down into China. When we speak of Chinese medicine, this might have been something we should have hit at the beginning. We, we're, we're talking about lifestyle, nutrition, herbs, and acupuncture. Is there anything else? Am, am I hitting the, the four high points? I think I think those are that's pretty good. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. So, uh, what about if there if there isn't a diagnosis, the man's sperm analysis, the male partner's sperm analysis looks normal. Is there any reason for him to be going to see a Chinese medicine specialist to work on any of those four aspects? You know, we, we don't see everything in a sperm sample. <laughs> I mean, the truth of the matter is, is you really, you know, looking at sperm, you know, if they have good motility and, and also the age of the man, you know, I'll, you know, I've seen a lot of elder, elderly men in my, in my population these days, but the, yeah, you know, yes, it's, it's, yeah, I, I think that there's, that there's Chinese medicine has a role in helping both the, the men and the women get as healthy as possible. Even if a man's sperm is good, maybe, maybe his sperm is good, but he's a smoker, <laughs> you know, even though his sperm looks good, maybe it's not as good as it could be because he smokes and maybe getting him to stop smoking would be a, a, a really great thing. Right. So I, I think, you know, we, we, we have to look not just at sperm and eggs, but at the at, at the whole individual, and and not only in in their sperm and eggs, but the whole individual and their relationship together. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it's it's a bigger picture. So we're talking about treating infertility, um, and, and well, but before we do that, let me back up and say so. The we've talked about how Chinese medicine in general can be used for male. I'm assuming that the same thing would be. You would say the same thing if it is a female coming in, that it's, it's the whole body that you're looking at and, and would want to approach 
from a lifestyle, nutrition, herbs, and acupuncture standpoint? Would that be the case, regardless of what her uh, diagnosis absolutely. is? Absolutely. I mean, working with, I work with women trying to get pregnant naturally, women who are doing IVF, women who are doing egg freezing. I mean, it's, I, I work with so many women and men in, in all aspects of uh, fertility, where Chinese medicine is a great asset, no matter what they're doing. Yeah, so it increases blood flow, increases, it just helps a woman. And it really helps support a woman and a man going through fertility where, you know, they don't get a lot of like, there's not a lot of time doctors spend with, with women and men, you know, talking about emotions and how, they, how they're feeling. And I have a big box of tissues <laughs> the side of, in my room because a lot of women have, it's the only place where they can really talk honestly about how they feel and what's really going on. Yeah. And you had your own uh, fertility struggles. And so you have not only a professional uh, understanding, you also have it uh, from a personal standpoint. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I've, I've definitely had miscarriages and I've had to terminate and from genetic abnormalities. And I, and I know what it's like to really have that longing, right? That deep longing to have a child where it's just not happening and, and you don't really know why. And, and, <laughs> and just everyone around you, it seems like is getting pregnant and you don't, you're not pregnant. And, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the overwhelming fear that it's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like in my practice, I do a lot of work around that for women about, you know, staying in the present. It's uh, ways to deal with living in the unknown um, exercises, you know, because on, on, we need to help emotionally as well. It's not just a physical thing, right? And just sort of trusting in, in our bodies and trusting in our journey. I talk a lot, a lot about that, the journey. Yeah, and it is a journey. Um, so how can China, a lot of uh, people are also seeking Western. Now, some, some will seek only Eastern treatment, Eastern medical treatment. But a lot of, a lot of people, particularly in our audience, are also seeking uh, Western. They're going to an infertility clinic, and they well, very well may be going very well maybe going through either beginning with an IUI um, and moving on to IVF. Mm -hmm. So how can Chinese medicine be used to not as an alternative necessarily to Western fertility treatment, but as a complement to Western fertility treatment? Yeah, I treat women and men all, a lot doing inseminations, IVF. It's supportive. Yeah, I have a woman usually come to me twice a week while she's doing stimulation drugs and it helps support the, again, the blood flow to the ovaries and helps a woman, you know, relax and helps her, if she's having digestive issues, helps that. I mean, people have all sorts of things going through this, they get dizzy, they have, you know, more congestion. So it's really supporting a woman in her whole body going through this process. And I've seen it, you know, it increases a quality. I've seen a quality get, you know, go up. I, 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 my, my preference is to treat a woman way before she does an IVF, like at least about you know, 90 days to help get her prepared to do an IVF if possible. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. But I think, you know, the idea of just coming in and having me come to your IVF transfer, I think it's better for women to get ongoing treatment than just me show up for this one time at an IVF transfer to really help the whole, the whole journey. So do you actually go to the, that when she is having a transfer? I do. <laughs> I have and, gone to many, many clinics. <laughs> And, and why? What, what are you doing during the transfer? And that is just so people understand. Yeah. A transfer is after an embryo has been created and is being transferred back into, this is right. not egg retrieval. This is after no. the eggs have already been yes. retrieved. 
Yes. I mean, I, I, there was a, a, a way back when there was a German study that showed that, you know, acupuncture increased uh, uh, chances of implantation. There's been a lot of, of, of studies since then, some saying yes, some saying no. But uh, for the most part, I, I have very good results just showing up. And it's really supportive and calming also, because I, I've known this woman, I've worked with her and me being there just helps, you know, reassure and helps keep her calm during the process. And are, have you found that uh, infertility clinics are amenable or accepting or encouraging of your presence? Yeah, I mean, I've had, I, I've, I, I definitely had people, you know, I, I, I'm in LA, but everybody seems to be very, um, <laughs> very, very happy for me to be there. Um, and, it's, and, and it's not 100% necessary. Sometimes I see a woman doing an IVF transfer, I'll see her the day before her transfer and get her prepared because the effects of acupuncture will carry over to the, the, the day after. So, it, you know, it, it always seems to me when I'm when I read about Chinese medicine, it's all about balance, balance within the body, balance between um, the the different aspects of your body, the yin and the yang and, and your emotions. And it's all about balance. And IVF, you're taking really um, strong medications that while while certainly uh, effective or they certainly can be effective they really do throw your body off balance. So is that a problem for Chinese medicine when working with a woman going through, taking the, the strong um, uh, gonadotropins and other um, medications that will hopefully help her get pregnant through IVF? I, I, I feel like as a practitioner, my job is to help assist a woman no matter where she's at, if she's doing you know, strong IVF meds. My, my, my help is to help her work with them. And then my help is to help her recover afterwards. So usually an IVF these days, people are doing freeze all, they freeze the embryos instead of doing fresh transfers is the yeah. is now what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so I get to work with a woman after she's done harvesting her eggs and, and they make embryos to detoxify her body from all these the high levels of estrogen that are circulating because of, of the stimulation drugs. And that I feel is very, very important and where we, you know, to, to help women with nutrition and, and eating and herbs and acupuncture to get rid of the estrogen so it doesn't, you know, get stored. And prepare her body for a transfer after having been uh, stimulated uh, for egg retrieval. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, I, I want to talk a little about the, the safety of Chinese herbs to be taken when you're going through IVF. But let me preface this by saying that I think anyone who is going through uh, IVF should be talking with their doctor, uh, their Western doctor, well, their Eastern and Western doctor, about to before they take herbs, because I know that there is some differences of opinion. So you do want your um, your doctor, your reproductive endocrinologist, to know what you're taking. But uh, in general, what are you? What is the research showing as far as the Chinese herbs and whether or not they are complementary to the other medications you're taking for IVF, or are there some that you should avoid? That's a very good question. You know, there's not a lot of research on Chinese herbs in the IVF process and how they interact with the Western drugs. So because there's not a lot of research, Western doctors don't usually, use, don't usually is, the, is, the, is really the truth, want their patients to be on Chinese herbal medicine at the same time they're going through IVF. My rule of thumb is I, I usually don't put people on herbs when they're starting the stimulation drugs unless they failed many cycles. <laughs> when they failed many cycles, at this point, I feel like, you know, they failed, let's try something different. And usually the, the MDs are okay with that. 
but I also tell patients to check with their physician. I want to do, um, some of my colleagues don't believe this, but I like to just work with a physician because I want us to be a team. I feel like having this, everybody playing on the same team is very beneficial. Mm -hmm. So, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I don't want to go against if the doctor says no herbs. I I want to I want to honor that, and that's how I practice. So hopefully they've done herbs and really built themselves up before they do the stimulation drugs. Yeah. Okay. You know, let me break just for a moment and remind everyone that this show could not end quite frankly would not happen without the generous support of our partners who believe in our mission of providing medically accurate, unbiased information along the continuum of struggles that you have to conceive. One such partner is Cooper Surgical. Uh, they are Cooper Surgical Fertility and Genomic Solutions, and they are global leaders in IVF and reproductive genetics. They offer a, a, a whole array of, of, of genetic testing and endometrial receptivity testing for individuals and couples who are trying to get pregnant. They are also proud, and I think this is extremely important, to provide comprehensive genetic counseling to their patients. Another partner of ours is Cryos International Sperm and Egg Bank. They are dedicated to providing a wide selection of high quality, extensively screened frozen donor sperm and eggs. And they have all races, ethnicities, and phenotypes. And they can also provide you sperm for both home insemination as well as for fertility treatment. They are the world's largest sperm bank and the first freestanding independent sperm bank in the United States. That's Cryos International Sperm and Egg Bank. One of the, in fact, this is actually really what you're, the, I think this is kind of, I, I think it's fair to say that this would be really what the heart of, of your book, Conceiving with Love, a whole body approach to creating intimacy, reigniting passion and increasing fertility. That's the title of the book. And, and the topic, the, the gist of the book is how to maintain and create intimacy in general. But, but the part I particularly appreciated was talking about doing that while going through infertility struggles. And I was so happy to see someone addressing this and, and cannot rec recommend the book enough. Um, and, and this is by our, our guest, Denise Wiesner. She is a Chinese medicine specialist and the founder of the Natural Healing and Acupuncture Center in L.A. And I, uh, the book truly addresses a topic that we do not talk about enough. And, and while it's not universal, it sure feels like it. When you get women together who, and we have a huge online support group here at Creating a Family, and when you get women together and, and they start sharing some of the really more painful aspects of infertility, in addition to struggling and really wanting a child, it just plays havoc on your love life. Is that, would you agree that it's almost universal? I think it's totally universal, and I think that the reason I wrote this book was because I felt this huge need to talk about it, to start and the people dialogue. people don't talk about it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There's a lot of, yeah, there, there's, there's so much shame around sexuality in general, you know. There's, I've, I've uncovered where patients, when it really boils down to it, they're doing IVF because they don't have intercourse, or there's, it's painful or there's issues with ejaculation, ejaculating in, in, the, in, in the vagina. There's so many issues and people have nowhere to talk about these issues. And it is, to me, it's a shame. Yeah, and there's, well, it's, I think talking about sex in general is not easy. And I think that 
talking about a lack of intimacy is even harder in some ways, you know, where you're not even enjoying it. Because, I mean, you look at the news and you look at, not the news so much, but you look at media and it's all about, you know, everybody, you know, it's all about sex and about how wonderful it is for everybody. And when it isn't wonderful for you or and maybe it had been in the past, but it's not wonderful now, you know, because all you're thinking about is, all right, I'm ovulating, let's just do it. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of feeling like the whole world is, is, is enjoying something that you're not enjoying, of being left out. All of those are feelings people have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely true. So what are some of the typical issues with intimacy that you see when you're dealing with couples who are struggling with infertility? Um, I, th I, it's, it's very interesting because I get both men and women to come in. So like the, you know, a lot of it is that, that, that men feel very helpless to, to, to do anything. Sex has become really, they're not having sex enough. It's usually only when they're ovulating and, uh, and men are having issues performing. I see this quite, you know, that if it's only sex on demand once a month, it's not happening. And I see that nobody's enjoying it. It's like a deed. It's a chore. And, and for the most part, like what the whole idea of making a baby is this love between two people. I mean, it's just the most magical, amazing thing. And it's amazing even if you're doing an IVF. So, uh, you know, right. Cause it's, it's still, whether it's in a exactly. Petri dish or, you know, it's a, still a miracle, yeah. isn't it? So it is I think, I think people don't know how to navigate. And I've, I've noticed that one of the issues too is during the IVF, um, procedure or insemination procedure that doctors really don't give you very, um, adequate guidelines when it comes to, I'm going to say sex and, and intimacy and fertility, because, you know, it's sort of like just general, like don't have intercourse, but sex is so much more. I mean, it's not just intercourse. It's, it's love, it's connection. It's, it's, um, it's, there's other pleasuring ways, right? It's like using your fingers and using your mouth. And, um, it's so much more than just penis and vagina. So, but nobody's addressing like what you can do. So I wrote a whole chapter in my book on timing and like when you can do what, because it's, it, I just found that it wasn't, you know, the instructions were so, um, small in reproductive centers, because again, nobody's talking about it. And my patients all have these questions, like, and some of them were like, wow, I'm super horny. I, I have all this cervical mucus and I want to have sex. Can I, you know, those type of things. And, you know, they were embarrassed to say that. So it's not just not having enough sex. Um, it's also, you know, not knowing when to have sex. So I think there's a, there's a lot of issues and I think pain and I think foreplay, you know, cut women, you know, one of the things is that a lot of men don't know that it takes about 20 to 45 minutes for a woman to be fully aroused. And I think when you're, you know, chiming it, it's like, let's get busy, let's put it in. And it's like, ugh, unpleasant. Women are having pain. They're not lubricating. But it's because it's, it's, they're losing the foreplay. They're losing the connection. They're, they're just not even spending time with their partners to begin with, you know? So I, I, mm -hmm. the, the book really had, speaks a lot on this topic. It's almost as if, if your only focus in, in lovemaking is, to make a baby, you lose sight of all the other things that can be a part of it that would that are enjoyable, and and then when you lose sight of those, then you it's almost like you're you're pulling away from your partner rather than moving towards them. Yeah, I mean, interesting enough, uh, and because I see people like you know maybe ten years post, I see I've been practiced for twenty five years, so I'll see people that have like done IVF and 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 then they start you know now they're divorced. <laughs> I just saw a, a, a person that was very sad, but 
when it really comes down to what she was telling me is even before they were doing IVF, they were having huge issues with intimacy and connection. And these issues don't just go away because we have a baby, right? They actually need to be addressed even before you're, you're trying to conceive. Yeah, no, well, that's true. That's in general, you're right. Um, but I do think that the infertility treatment itself, as well as infertility, so it's both the treatment as well as the disease, can impact in intimacy, even even if you have not had problems. Correct. Absolutely. No question. Yeah. Um, so what can couples do to maintain the the joy of sex when what they really want is a baby? You know, at this point, I can I can give up an orgasm. I just want a baby. That type of th <laughs> that feeling that they have. Right. Right. Uh, I think that one of the things is to cultivate time together. I think that doesn't happen a lot. I think we're couples are very busy, right? A busy life. I'm busy too. And so there's not a lot of time designated for um, just in general connecting and, and having more intimacy. And this doesn't necessarily mean in the bedroom. This could mean like doing more things together, cooking together, massaging each other, right? Doing just mm -hmm. doing things together where there's eye connection where you're seeing your partner. Sometimes I'll have couples do things like eye gazing, where they just look into each other's eyes for four minutes, you know, because people are so like, we're, we're so focused on screens and, and technology that we, we don't spend a lot of time actually looking at our partner. So simple things like that, just getting, you know, uh, yeah, it's just the simple things that we forget. So spending more time, love making more often, not just in the, the ovulation window getting into a regular routine with it. So it's not a weird thing all of a sudden when a woman's putting on a lingerie and the guy's like, oh no, it's the, her ovulation window. <laughs> like, <I'm gonna> get, <laughs> you know, pressure here, right? It's, and it's that there's, there's actually lovemaking increases blood flow to the reproductive organs, right? It's not just acupuncture, it's lovemaking. So we need more of it. Yeah, throughout the, throughout the month and not just, and, and actually, you know, from a, you know, from a male fertility standpoint, um, having uh, regular ejaculations um, is is not a bad thing. We sometimes think that it needs to all be saved up for the for the ovulation window, but in fact, men are able to continue to produce and actually do better um, mm -hmm. if they have had regular uh, ejaculations. Yeah. Speaking of the, the male part, um, a very little discussed but very common issue is erectile dysfunction. Yes. for men going through infertility, men who did not, I mean, there people can have that regardless um, of, of whether or not they're infertile, but I'm talking about erectile dysfun dysfunction that is caused honestly due to the pressure of, okay, it's it, the woman is getting ready to ovulate. Get it up, buddy. We got to do it, you know, because this is important. Right, right, I'm right. ovulating now. <laughs> right. And that's, you talk about, talk about, you know, an intimacy, talk about a mood killer number one, but also the pressure. Uh, yeah. But on the other hand, from a woman's standpoint, when we talk with women, they'll say, yeah, I'm sorry there's putting pressure. But on the other hand, there is pressure. So, so get it up, guy, you know, that type of thing. So what can you, what do you do for couples or for guys, but it really is a couple's issue uh, when that's a problem? I think one of the first things is communication about how we want to handle going through fertility, right? To actually talk about, you know, hey, honey, do you want to know when I'm ovulating? Hey, honey, do you, should we, will you, do you figure out when I'm ovulating? Some men like want to keep track of their, their, their woman's ovulation, right? And, and just the communication, how we want to deal with this, because some men don't really want to know at all. And a woman has to just really like have regular sex and, and just get busy. But of course, 
it is that pressure, right? Where you're like, I hope mm -hmm. it happens tonight. So if you're having it more regularly um, and, and you're carving out and you're making it special, it might not be so difficult for a man to, to feel like, you know, and if it doesn't, you know, to perform. And if it doesn't happen the, the night, maybe it's the next day, the next morning, right? There's a window. It's not just one time, <laughs> right? So it's, it's mm -hmm. allowing um, a, a couple to figure out how they want to navigate this, this very intimate dance. You know, it's not it, it, talking about how we want to go through fertility treatment and how do we go through it in a way that preserves our our relationship, each of our dignities. Uh, all of those are important to talk about before before you even um, start your first cycle. Yeah. And then, you know, I, 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 I've actually had I've had women come in my office and just say, you know what, it's so much work to get him to get an erection. You know, this is the stuff they never talk, no one mm -hmm. talks about. You know, finally you get, I'm exhausted. I'm like working so hard, you know? And, you know, I've had men who, you know, where they needed, a, like it, it got into a bad pattern with erectile dysfunction, in secondary erectile dysfunction, you know, because of fertility. That I've actually had them get, go to a doctor and get like a Viagra or a little help to get, to break the cycle of like this, because once a man has it that he might not get an erection, it's, mm -hmm. he's in his head and he's now worried about getting an erection. And then this, this, this is like a bad cycle, you know, right? So it's like, sometimes I'll just have them do that and have some like, go away for the weekend, have some fun. And that breaks the cycle. So sometimes Western medicine can be very helpful in, in helping men to break erectile dysfunction. How important do you think it is to take a break from treatment? It, that's a fine line because uh, for, depending on the age of the woman, I mean, the reality is time does count and time is not on our side uh, with fertility. And so it's hard to take off even a month, but let's say you want to take off a couple of months. Um, what do you recommend? Is that an important thing to consider? And if so, when is it important to consider? I think it's important to, to take off time to really, you know, for many reasons, sometimes it's just to really nourish your body. If you've d done an IVF or an egg retrieval and you're exhausted, I mean, this, I just had a, a couple who the woman um, was really in a rush and she's older to have a baby and, you know, and I felt her pulses, you know, cause in Chinese medicine, we feel pulses to find out the energy of the body and they were just very weak and deficient. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I never usually say this, but I was like, you know, you need to take some time and just nourish yourself, nourish the relationship. And she was like, you know, she didn't want it at all. But of course yeah. she went to, she went to the IVF doctor. He did an ultrasound. And, you know, as it turns out, she only had like one antral follicle, which means she didn't have a lot of reserve. Mm -hmm. And, and he was like, yeah, you need to wait. And it just confirmed what I told her. So sometimes the body will tell the body, mind, spirit will tell us like women really know they need a break, but they just don't honor it half the time. So I think it's important to, I think it's important to take a break. Um, I don't think usually in a month that your eggs get really like they shrivel up and die. <laughs> you know, it's this idea of like, well, if I take two months off, it's like two months older. Oh no. But sometimes I've had it where a woman in her forties doesn't get pregnant, but at 42, they get pregnant, right? It's, it's all about sort of nourishing and and, and, and bringing good energy to, to our reproductive organs. Sometimes a break is needed and it's, and sometimes a break is needed in the relationship too. And that's, yeah, some, to, to um, reignite the spark yes. and remember why intimacy is important to begin Yeah, just, just to, to, you know, sometimes I'll give couples exercise, like don't try to make a baby, take this month off in trying quote unquote, and just 
pleasure each other, connect without this goal in mind. And, and it's funny, sometimes that's when they get pregnant, <laughs> when they've let go of this like job they have to do. Yeah, I have heard women say that they have, um, they start using birth control um, just so that they can re stop the pressure because they weren't able to stop the pressure if they had, if they were, if they, if there was a possibility that they could get pregnant, that's what they were thinking about. And that using birth control allowed them to, to focus more on the, uh, on falling back in love and falling back in intimate relationship with their partner. Um, that's a harder thing to do when, uh, that when you're, uh, when you really, really, really want a baby. <laughs> so, uh, that takes yeah, a, think, yeah. a lot of, uh, uh, that takes a lot of commitment. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think those breaks where the doctors are like, you know, we can't do anything now and you have to sort of take a break is so women are usually super relieved and so are their partners because it does yeah. offer this opportunity to like get back into, you know, because they, if you're doing treatment for IVF or inseminations or whatever, it's, you're so far out of your body. People don't feel good in their body, right? They feel bloated and non-sexy and, you know, all those things are going on during an, an IVF cycle. And so just the idea of sort of getting back into your body and feeling pleasure and connecting with your person, months off can be fabulous. Yeah, it absolutely can be. And, and I think, especially if you think that, if, if you can identify that, that, uh, that there is no more intimacy in your lovemaking, that that's a time to consider it for sure. Absolutely. So uh, well, before we, we uh, talk about some kind of a, a summary of all this, uh, let's talk about orgasm for women. How important is orgasm for women? Uh, how, how, how often, how, what percentage of women routinely orgasm? How important is it? And how important is it for intimacy, reigniting passion and all that? The funny thing about orgasm is that, first, first of all, it's not necessary to orgasm to make a baby. Uh, otherwise, we, you know, an, an insemination wouldn't work, right? But there is a theory, this upsuck theory, that the idea is when you get, uh, if you do have an orgasm and the, and the sperm are like really near the cervix, that the contractions kind of suck up the sperm into the uterus, yes? So there is a theory that if you have orgasm, it's, it's very good for fertility, but that's a theory. Uh, and so, you know, it's also it, a theory that puts pressure on women who don't absolutely don't orgasm. Yeah. No, you don't need to orgasm. And this idea of this pressure to orgasm. I mean, I just had a woman who faked her orgasm with her partner. And I finally said to her, you know, you might not want to do that because he's thinking you're getting there and you're not. It's like, it's just like, you know, honesty is such a good thing among on couples. But this idea of you have to have an orgasm that all you're thinking about is like, I must orgasm. What is an orgasm anyway? You're again in your head about about sexuality and not in the physical pleasure. Orgasm comes from a release. It's a letting go. It's not a like a, it's like the same thing. It's not a destiny. <laughs> it's not a goal. Unless a, a man kind of needs to, but for a woman, it's it's not. It's like being in the moment with our sexuality is so much more important than whether we orgasm or not. And sometimes you know, this elusive orgasm, as they say, is a woman's having them and doesn't even know she's having them because they think it should be this explosive, you know, you're to the moon and back. And, 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 and sometimes it's, it's also about technique, you know, that we think we can't orgasm, but given a different technique, maybe we can. And I just had a woman who came to me who said, I didn't know I was multi-orgasmic. She's with a new partner. And she found out she was even at turning 49. And Again, sometimes we don't know enough about our own bodies and self-pleasuring to know what brings us to orgasm. So if you had uh, 
one or not just one piece of advice, but general advice to give to people on maintaining an intimate relationship and loving relationship with your partner when you're going through infertility, what would it be? I think the, the biggest piece for me is about love. I think that's why I put conceiving with love is to connect with our heart energy. The biggest, because our heart energy connects with our loins, with our reproductive energy. It's not just like what's going on down there, but it's really what's going on in our, in our love for this person, you know, being in gratitude and looking at them and seeing them and feeling love, you know, in Chinese medicine, the heart opens to the tongue. So passionate kisses connects to the love energy next to the heart. So it's, it's, it's connecting into the energy of our heart to remember why we're making a baby in the first place. Yeah. I often say that to people, remember why you wanted to, to make a baby. Why do you want to live uh, your life in this? Why do you choose this person to be the, the parent, the, uh, the co-parent with you for this child, uh, fall back in love. And it's quite frankly, also important once you succeed and have a child, it's <laughs> Absolutely. remember love. why you. Yeah, love. Well, that's a wonderful, uh, on that wonderful note, thank you so much, Denise Wiesner, the author of Conceiving with Love, A Whole Body Approach to Creating Intimacy, Reigniting Passion, and Increasing Fertility. She is the founder of the Natural Healing and Acupuncture Clinic in Los Angeles. And just as a reminder for everyone, the views expressed in this show are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of creating a family our partners, or our underwriters. And keep in mind that the information given in this interview is general advice. To understand how it applies to your specific situation, you need to work with your infertility professional. To get more information about Denise, uh, you can go to her website, naturalhealingacupuncture.com. There is information there specific to infertility. And Denise, where would you uh, send people to get a copy of the book? I mean, obviously Amazon and obviously your independent booksellers, please let us support those. Yes, absolutely. But is there a place online outside of Amazon that you would like people to go to? I mean, I think there's, there's, there's some connections. If you go to my website, my, my personal website, my author website, deniseweisner.com, I think there's, there's links to where you can also get audio links if you want to hear it instead of read it. So okay, uh, more, more, more there. Yeah. Okay. And of course, uh, ask your library to buy a copy. So absolutely there you go. It could be there as well. Um, thank you so much. I uh, truly appreciate having you on today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been an honor.